The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Marcus Aurelius Meditations, Book 4, Chapter 3, Paragraph 1. And we did this earlier in the year, but that was back before we officially started the podcast. And uh, I went back and listened to it, and my... My thoughts were very short and undeveloped, and I think I'm in a different place now. So uh, let us read, and then I'll, uh, I'll bring up the agenda after that. Aurelius writes, Men look for retreats for themselves, the country, the seashore, the hills, and you yourself, too, are peculiarly accustomed to feel the same want. Yet all this is very unlike a philosopher, when you may, at any hour you please, retreat into yourself. For nowhere does a man retreat into more quiet and less busy than into himself especially one who has within such things that he has only to look into and become at once in perfect ease. And by ease, I mean nothing more than being well-ordered. Continually, therefore, grant yourself this retreat and be renewed. But let them be brief and fundamental truths, which will suffice at once by their presence to wash away all sorrow and to send you back without repugnance to the life to which you return. Now, the reason why this came back to me today is because of, you might have guessed it from the title, the mezuzah experiment and the sacred pause. So I updated you on Friday, last Friday, to say that week one of the experiment had gone by and never once did I succeed in actually doing a sacred pause at the mezuzah on my door or at yeshiva. I did succeed in doing sacred pauses in my Shimon Esrei uh, at the outset and during the Shimon Esrei. So those were very good, but <laughs> that wasn't the experiment. So I was thinking about it some more, and um, I actually read, I finally finished the book um, Radical Acceptance, which I've been talking about a lot by Tara Brock, and this morning I started her, I guess it's a sequel, Radical Compassion, and in it she has this fantastic description of the state of mind that, that the sacred pause is designed to help bring you out of, and I haven't read beyond chapter one in Radical Compassion yet. So I, I'm not, uh, she introduces a new technique, which I'm sure I'll be talking about a lot uh, over the next, uh, I don't know, the next week and and or later on in the summer. But uh, right now, I just wanted to focus on her description of the state that you are uh, brought out of. So uh, these are two excerpts uh, from pages three and four is the first one, and then a small excerpt from page 10. So she begins chapter one with a quotation from Martha Postwaite, which says, do not try to save the world. Sorry, do not try to save the whole world or do anything grandiose. Instead, create a clearing in the dense forest of your life. So now uh, Tara writes, we all get lost in the dense forest of our lives, entangled in incessant worry and planning, in judgments and in our busy striving to meet demands and solve problems. When we're caught in that thicket, it's easy to lose sight of what matters most. We forget how much we long to be kind and open-hearted. We forget our ties to this sacred earth and to all living things. And in a deep way, we forget who we are. This forgetting is a part of being in trance, a partially unconscious state that, like a dream, is disconnected from the whole of reality. When we're in trance, our minds are narrowed, fixated, and usually immersed in thought. Our hearts are often defended, anxious, or numb. Once you recognize the signs of trance, you will begin to see it everywhere, in yourself and in others. You were in trance when you were living on autopilot, when you feel walled off and separate from those around you, when you are caught up in feeling fearful, angry, victimized, or deficient. The good news is that we we all have the capacity to free ourselves. 
When we are lost in the forest, we can create a clearing simply by pausing and turning from our clamoring thoughts to become aware of our moment-to-moment -moment experience. I call this wakeful and immediate awareness presence. It is also referred to as consciousness, spirit, Buddha nature, true nature, the awakened heart-mind, and many other names. When we've reconnected fully to presence, we can open to what is going on inside us and the changing flow of sensations, feelings, and thoughts without any resistance. This allows us to live our lives, our life moments with clarity and compassion. The shift from being lost in unconscious mental and emotional reactivity to inhabiting our full presence is an awakening from trance. Trance encloses us in a virtual reality of thoughts and emotionally charged stories. We're trying to solve problems, satisfy desires, get rid of comfort, or make our way to a future when things might be better. We are at the mercy of unconscious beliefs, feelings, and memories that drive our decisions and reactions to life. Not only that, but our unconscious wants and fears shape our deepest sense of who we are. When we're in trance, we usually feel separate or alone, threatened and or incomplete. Our daily trance can feel ordinary and familiar, wrapping us in a cocoon of habit. It can carry us in pleasurable fantasy, immerse us in obsessive thinking, and tumble us in waves of painful emotion. But whatever the content of our trance, we are cut off from ourselves and cut off from our capacity to connect authentically with those around us. We're just not all there. So that's the end of the excerpt. So that is a really good description, in my opinion, of the state that mezuzah is supposed to pull you out of. So let us go back to the Ramam's description of the kavana for mezuzah. Uh, this is in uh, Hilchos um, uh, Tefillin and Mezuzah of the Sefer Torah, uh, 613. So the Ramam says here, again, and I, I know I've said this before, but this is it's a good reminder. Every person is obligated to be careful regarding mezuzah, for it is a continual obligation for everyone. Every time a person enters and exits, he encounters the idea of the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. He will remember his love, meaning love of God, and will wake up from his slumber and his immersion in vain pursuits and recognize that there is nothing that lasts forever and ever except for the knowledge of the eternal rock. Immediately he will return to his mind and walk in the ways of uprightness. The sages say anyone who has tefillin on his head and his arm, tzitzis on his garments, and a mezuzah on his door, it is presumed that he will not sin, for he has many reminders, and these reminders are the angels that save him from sinning. As it is stated, the angel of Hashem encamps around his reverent ones and releases them. So that state that the Ram identifies as waking from one's slumber and immersion in vain pursuits, and then returning to your mind, that is, I believe... Uh, or sorry, the slumber and immersion in vain pursuits. That's exactly what what Tara Brock means by the trance. You know, this unconscious autopilot mode where you're not even aware that you're in it, and uh, you're just in the thick of your own thoughts and feelings and pursuits, and uh, and you're not fully there. And that is the uh, that's what uh, I was attempting. Uh, and still am attempting to achieve with the sacred pause by mezuzah is to catch myself in that state when I see the reminder of the mezuzah. But then again, instead of just retreating into myself uh, as an end in its own right, um, then I am uh, combining this with what Marcus Aurelius says, which is to retreat into myself so that I can then remind myself of important truths. And in the case of mezuzah, it's the truths in the mezuzah itself, the first two partials of the Shema and all the ideas associated therein. So, uh, and again, this is this has been the approach I've been trying to use with these techniques that I've been learning this year from you know, from IFS and from radical acceptance and from all these other things, you know, uh, atomic habits, uh, taking these as tools and linking them to the Torah regimen, because really the Torah regimen is what has to guide us, but there are more and less effective ways to engage it. And if what we've been doing hasn't worked, meaning I can't speak for you, but all I know is I've been, you know, been Jewish for close to 20 years. And uh, how many times have I walked past a mezuzah and not thought about it? So clearly something needs to be done. <laughs> you know, I think 20, 20 years is a good uh, uh, trial period. Um, 
So I wanted to just extend this, just a few more thoughts here. Uh, it's kind of scattered today, but I mentioned this in the, the episode about the mezuzah itself, that mezuzah is just one example of the mitzvahs that Raman puts in Sefer Ahava, uh, which is the book of love, of love of God. And in his definition of the book of love, uh, at the beginning of the Mishnah Torah, he says the the what these mitzvahs have in common. He says, Echlil bo tediros. We uh, I will include in this book the mitzvahs that are continual or or, or, or frequent. Uh, which we are commanded in in order to love God, to, to love the true existence, and to remember Him constantly. Like the reading of the Shema and and Tefillah, uh, prayer and Tefillin uh, and brachos and blessings. So Mila Bichalan and Mila, priest Mila, circumcision is included in them. tamid because it is a sign in our flesh to remind us continually. At a time when there are no Tefillin and Tzitzis and other things like this. And I've called this book the Book of Love. So. There, the Ramam mentions two things. He mentions Ava Sashem, love of God, which the Ramam also mentioned in Hilkhus Mezuzah. But then he also mentions Ulazochro um, Tamin, and to remind uh, and to remind a person continually, or sorry, to re- remember God continually. So the the state that Terabrach calls the trance is a state that my Chumash Rebbe, Rabbi Yoni Sachs, um, uh, re- would refer to as the state of shichacha, and it, it's not he didn't coin the term. You know, the Torah uses the term v'shachachta Hashem elokacha. You'll forget Hashem your God. Uh, but the way Rabbi Sachs used it was much more like what Tara Brock is saying here of being in the state of mindless autopilot, uh, where you're just going about life and not thinking about things. And these mitzvos, really all mitzvos, but these mitzvos in particular, um, the the ones in Sefer Ava, which are continual reminders, are designed to. Uh, to remind you, to, to, that's what reminders do, to pull you out of the state of shechacha into the state of zechira, to pull you out of the, the state of um, of forgetfulness and forgetting and into the state of memory. And I, I'm at risk of going into this uh, now. I mean, I think one of my first good exposures to this idea was the speech uh, the 2005 Kenyan commencement address by David Foster Wallace, uh, often called This is Water, where he begins with the following anecdote. He says, uh, "These two, there are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, morning, boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on a bit for a bit, and then eventually one of them looks over and, uh, at the other and goes, what the hell is water? Uh, and the speech is very, um, I, I think it's one of the, again, top 10, Top ten writings in the uh, in the English language uh, uh, that are, you know, that I would recommend. <laughs> uh, this speech it was very very fundamental, uh, and so I, I I'm just right now wrestling back and forth about whether I want to um, whether I want to read any of it. I think I'm not going to read any of it because it really is. Uh, I, I can't do it justice by just reading from the end of it. Anyway, I'll just say that of that the the main idea of the speech also being connected to this is that we 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 tend to live in a constant state of shichacha and we. Um, and, you know, if we weren't Jewish, we would have to pull ourselves out through these these chachma techniques that have come about through various psychologists or or mindful practitioners. But thankfully, we Hashem gave us his Torah, which has these reminders all around us. So rather than reinventing the wheel, uh, we can use these techniques and uh, and use them to. Uh, to attach ourselves to the wheel. All right, I lost the metaphor there. Uh, and uh, to try to uh, to to reap all the benefits that the missiles are designed to, uh, uh, and the guidance that the missiles are designed to, uh, you know, to to uh, uh, facilitate. So uh, before we end off, I do have one thing. You know, I, I made the episode last week also about about 
Korach and about how there's a fine line between uh, taking active steps to engage the mitzvahs on the, in the way they're supposed to be used and then like uncoupling the techniques from the mitzvahs and risking going off into oblivion or going off into Korach. So I, I use a technique today and I don't know where on that line it, it, uh, <laughs> it sits. So again, problem is I would exit, you know, the experiment is to, when I exit my apartment in the morning to look at my mezuzah and do a sacred pause and then think about the ideas of mezuzah. However, that has been happening. So what I did was, you know, I have a door from my apartment and then it leads down the stairs and then another door with a mezuzah on it. I mean, the, I mean, there's, there's a mezuzah on this door also, but uh, I, I guess I want to use it at the end. So what I did is I took blue post-it notes and I put post-it notes all along the way. And the idea is that I will be rushing out of the door. I'll see this, this color blue and that will prime me in the in the three seconds it takes to go down the stairs so that when I hit the mezuzah, I will pause and think about the mezuzah. You know, now I kind of feel like, is this, I mean, it's not baltosif because I'm not doing this as a mitzvah, but is this adding, is this is this messing with the, uh, with the institution of mezuzah? I mean, on the one hand, yes, because I'm using post-it notes to remind me of the mezuzah. But on the other hand, I mean, people have mezuzah cases and the, the, the uh, you know, with, with various types of decorations that are designed to remind them of things, is this really any different than that? I don't know. You can argue that that one is part of the, the beautification of the mitzvah, whereas this is more like a sign pointing to the mitzvah. I don't know. I'm doing it anyway uh, because I feel like it'll help me with mezuzah. And I, ideally, this will just be a little crutch. And then if I can make this into a habit, then uh, then it'll work. You know, if I can make this into a habit to stop when I pass by mezuzah. So... We'll see what happens, and we have uh, we have this week uh, to to try it out, and uh, and like you know, it's an experiment. At the, the you know it's can't be a failure, right? Either way, we're going to get data. That's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com/rabbishanyways. Link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening. And thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone. And stay tuned for Friday when I will announce what the summer plans are as far as this podcast and the rest of my Torah contents go. Uh, that's There's your teaser.